Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by an impressed Michael Brunts. Mm-hmm. Also, Brian Christofferson. Hey. Unclear if he's impressed. You nailed that. Nailed it. Yeah, I, I thought I did pretty well. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I said it, I look over, and I get you nodding along. You you were into it. Yep. And we are now into this podcast. That's as effusive as my approval gets. I, look. I didn't, quiet nod. I know that that... Uh, that can sustain a long time in this business. Mm-hmm. So I should be good for a while. Don't look for me to be seeking approval from you anytime soon. Approval tank is full. It's just <laughs> a riveting first two minutes. Well, it's, right it's a tough pod this week. Yeah. I mean, we are. There's nothing happening. Let's, let's are, just throw that on the table the right dead, now. We're dead season, yeah. as dead as it gets. So. But we're alive. Well, that, yeah, we are. I mean, you you suggest we like it's a, we're down on ideas to where you said we should talk about uh, like drinking in day old cherry coke and like. You know, I I don't know if that was. You I said, mean, you said I did say that'd be a decent it. podcast idea. I I don't think that since I turned like ten, I've ever drank pop that has been re refrigerated. Like once it's out, you got to finish the can, finish the bottle. Because then you put it back in, and it loses all of the oh, it's terrible the quality to it. So I don't want to drink. Th- it becomes flat and gross and bad. I don't, I don't want any part of that. So when you were mentioning that the other day, I kind of wanted to know why. Well, my I grew up in a house that was kind of strict on it, where if you left a little bit in your can, like even a third, my mom would be like, you're going to finish that. <laughs> and it could be like two days old and have been sitting on the kitchen table. And worse of all... Worst of all, it was usually RC because my family would buy uh, two liters because you could get RC two liters back then for probably like 49 cents or something. And so it was two-day-old RC that you were forced to drink, which... Did she sit there and watch you drink it? (laughs) I mean, you would... This is like something that... They would people would do to like terrorists or something to get information out of them is make them drink like two day old RC. Well, the amazing thing about that is that it, you start with liters, and so you're unless you're just finishing off that liter right away, you're gonna get a flat version of RC yes. the next day, anyways. Yeah, it's so you could flat. be talking about drinking old RC that was already flat to start with. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's rough. That's a rough upbringing. My my family, my dad in particular, was always outraged if like friends had come over and opened a pop and didn't finish it mm-hmm. because of the financial ramifications of them wasting that pop that could have been someone else's and you know he had paid for that out of his own hard-earned money so how dare my friends do that yeah if people so are gonna waste I, pop it should be in the family because i didn't want to get yelled about or yelled at for this anymore then i became very militant about any of my friends getting a pop that, yeah, you're going to finish that, right? Or you're going to take that with you. Is that Even if get... you're not going to finish it, get rid of the evidence. I don't want it. Is that why we never get offered anything over here? Well, I don't have pop. Oh, okay. I gave it up. Gotcha. For that's, like the seventh true. time in my life. That's so true. This time it's going to stick. No, it won't, but it, it'll be a year, year in a couple of weeks, so pretty good. That is pretty good. I could... Yeah, I, I couldn't do that. I mean, I offer water in K-Cups. I have those, which you consider to be, both of you, I think, are out on K-Cups to begin with. It's just not efficient. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, I... No, I, I understand why you have it. I'm, I don't fault you for having the K-Cups. I think they're a wonderful thing, but it's, not for this guy. It's a great... As a non-coffee drinker, it's a great option that I can offer whatever leftover K-Cups that I have it's in my house hospitable. to whoever's yeah. around. Yeah. It is generous. So... 
but no, it's just it's water or nothing around these parts. Flavored water. Got that. You want some black raspberry flavored water? Nope, I'm good. What about you? No, no. I want to talk about, I don't know, football. <laughs> something with football. <laughs> I thought you were, were going to take us out of this and into something good, but... Well, Here's, we got spring ball coming up. We do. You, you've been running kind of a, uh, not a series, but a series of articles the last few days on the site, uh, kind of looking at returning starters, mm-hmm. and also the ever-popular question going into spring ball of veterans in the program who have an opportunity or need to make a mark that they have not done so yet. What did you learn as you were kind of digging into that article? Uh, that one in particular is inter- interesting to me because with as many new guys as they have in the program this year, uh, over the last two years, I guess, it seems like there's a very small group of guys among the, the, the veteran classes that really need to kind of stand up and be counted if this team's going to take a step forward. Yeah, there's actually not that many. As I was going through the list – of just like I thought I would have to leave some people out and almost honestly I think I named 14 people in the article of Husker upperclassmen trying to leave their mark and that's basically the list to me I mean that's like the list of guys who could potentially do it and the guys on the list were not starters they weren't guys for the most part they weren't guys like Ben Stilley or the Davis twins these are guys who they haven't quite done it yet at Nebraska and you wonder if they ever will in some cases but it's either kind of now or never I guess is the way you would frame it and those guys always interest me just as much as the newcomers because there's always one or two every year that do it where there's like a guy who he'll at least have a role maybe he's just an average player maybe he's a great player but suddenly you're like oh like Sam Hahn is starting on the offensive line, you know, and he's been in the program for five years. Justin Jackson is suddenly the starting center. And so I, I think people got to keep that in mind as they head into this year. You know, maybe there is somebody out there like that that's going to have a bigger role. Um, you know, not a starring role, but like a Deshaun Neal. Maybe he's a guy who gives you some more depth and gets more snaps this year and uh, kind of finishes on a strong note. Those those stories always kind of stick out to me. I'm trying to think of who the like who would be the most likely out of that group that you think could have that kind of finish. Well, Colin Miller is He's just a junior, right? Yeah, he's yeah. a junior. I counted juniors in it, but he He's a guy some would say, well, he's already contributed because, I mean, he played in some – he's been out there in some key snaps on defense, and he's a big guy on special teams. So it's not like he hasn't been um, a part of this team in games. But I think he's somebody who, if I said, okay, if you were to bet on one of those upperclassmen who hasn't, like, played a lot yet on defense or offense, who would it be? I'd maybe say him just because he's moved a middle linebacker um last year now that he has a season under his belt he's at a spot where they're going to need somebody to step up next to Moberry and he's kind of a spark plug guy I mean he's always been ever since he was a, arrived he was scout team defensive MVP his first year so he's a guy I'd maybe bet on there's others like 
you could argue shouldn't even belong on the list, but Will Honus, I mean, he just got here a year ago, but he's got two years of eligibility, and we really haven't seen what he can do yet because of the injury. So I think you would say he has an opportunity. You A couple other guys you had on the list, uh, Jaron Woodyard. There's a kind of a, a JUCO theme there uh, of the guys that you know Nebraska brought in for immediate uh, an immediate jolt of contribution that maybe haven't lived up to it yet to this point another guy that that was interesting to me that you had on that list that I think gets forgot that, that's forgotten about is Christian Gaylord um, a, a guy who was a four-star prospect out of Kansas was a big win for Nebraska to not only get him in the class, but keep him in the class. And a guy who, you know, if, if you're going to see people potentially move positions along that offensive line, a guy that needs to kind of stand up and, and, you know, win a starting job or at least, you know, look ready to contribute at one of those tackle spots. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a good name, and especially for depth purposes. Um Guys who you've wondered about is are they going to make that leap? Like Markel Dismuke is a guy, Dismuke A, however you Dismuke, yeah. Dismuke, um, who I've always thought when he's actually been on the field, sometimes he's kind of impressed me because I think he um, he craves contact. Like he's a guy who really likes to hit, and he's had a few moments when he's actually been given the chance where you've thought, oh, that was a pretty good hustle play by him. You know, he, he's done it on special teams, too. So, I, you know, there's openings at safety. So I don't think we should just throw him to the side and say, like, he couldn't do it, even though there's some young guys we talk about. And then there's always kind of that John Raritan fascination. And it's this feels like it's got to be now. Otherwise, there's some walk-ons who they like who could take over in that interior and make it pretty hard for a guy who's on, in his junior season to probably break through the rotation at this point. A guy like Trent Hickson is who I'm thinking of, but you know Hunter Miller, other guys in that middle of the offensive line. Does it seem like I mean a number of those guys that that you listed? Colin Miller's a guy that I think this applies to Dismuke to a to an extent. I think Raritan has bounced around too, but I, I think sometimes when guys start moving positions. It, it almost kind of forces him into this because, I mean, Miller has been an outside linebacker. He's been an inside linebacker, was recruited as a defensive end. Uh, Raritan's played a little bit of center. He was a guard. He played tackle in high school. Um, Dismuke could have probably been a, a corner. Um, they put him at safety. I mean, it, it's it seems like some of those guys have just been kind of undone by coaching changes and mm-hmm. you know a, a different coaching staff coming in and saying okay well we see this guy here and then you have kind of the you know the the delay of, of learning that position and and I mean maybe that's where finally having a little bit of continuity helps some of those guys especially Colin Miller I mean he you know thinking back to that Northwestern game I mean he was on the field in the fourth quarter as, as kind of the one of the Mike linebackers in passing situations so uh you know, maybe that, that helps those guys, uh, you know, finally see the field a little bit more too. Yeah, yeah I actually think that the Brian mentioning uh, Dismuke, he's someone that had a really good opportunity this upcoming spring. You got those freshmen who haven't played or have been injured. You got a, a kind of a wide open door because there's freshmen that aren't there yet. Uh, so if he has a good spring, 
you could be looking at in a spring game where he's one of the starting safeties for what you'd consider to be the one unit running right there with Deontay. And I, I've gotten the sense from Travis Fisher that he likes him well enough. Uh, it's just a matter of he's always, since he's been at safety, you've always had Antonio Reed and Aaron Williams in front mm-hmm. of you. And before that, it was Kyron Williams. And then you also added in, um, can't think of his name, Tra, Trey Neal. Trey Neal. And so you, you just always had a lot of bodies in front of you. Deontay Williams was in front of him, too, because he was a hand-picked guy from Travis Fisher, who you know theoretically could have been playing over some of the other safeties that, that were started last year. So he could be someone that fits this as well as anybody that we aren't talking about because we've all moved on to other four-star defensive backs. But he was a highly touted kid mm-hmm. when he committed here. Um, and you're right about the physicality. I'm curious – you know, if he's able to kind of carve out a niche this spring. That's someone that honestly, up until that article and then just even you now talking, I hadn't thought a lot about. But now you think about that room, like someone has to play safety opposite of Deontay Williams. So why not Markel? You know, it's got to be him or Cam Jones or one of the new incoming freshmen or C.J. Smith if he's healthy. Uh, So there's – I don't think JoJo Doman's going back to that position. I think he's going to be an outside linebacker, but we'll know more in a couple of weeks on that. But I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, Dismuke should probably be on any list if you were to make like ten names of guys like they're they're curious guys like really watched and see if they make their move. Are you making this list? No, not right now. But we could make that. list. Who else would you put on that Maybe list? Maybe ten guys. Yeah, if you were if you were going to do the list. Yeah, who else? Would is- you want to discuss it on a future podcast to help fill time before we get to spring football being back? Yeah, we, I think that could be I an idea. I think this is a great idea. Yeah. Who, who else, good, who good else would be on your curious 10? <laughs> the curious 10? Yeah. And should we each give a person that we think sure. should be on the curious right. 10? Yeah. Give, me a, give me a curious 10 guy. I would put Will Honus on my curious 10. We already got a good name for this, too. Yeah. What is that? We got a great name for it, too. The curious 10? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that I, I'm very curious about what Will Honus could be in year two coming off of an ACL tear. I don't know if he'll be full go for the spring, um, if, if he'll be able to, to practice and be a part of what they wanted inside linebacker. He's someone that I think could have really used the season last year to kind of prove where he was at as a player, and he didn't get that opportunity. And he's got some freshmen that aren't going to be afraid to come in and steal playing time right behind him. So he's in a really interesting spot. And this is someone the staff, and Barrett Root especially, thought very, very highly of based on his film. And his junior college coach would tell you that the light bulb, when it went off, he was a different player. Mm -hmm. So if he struggled in adjustment from high school to junior college, junior college to college, and then it went, could be looking at a guy that maybe it clicks here. You know what would be really insulting? Is if now I made a Curious 10 list and wrote it down and didn't include the name you mentioned as a Curious 10 candidate. You'd it be, could be. I mean, you're that, in charge of the Curious 10. He's just, like, he's not that curious. That could start some fireworks. He didn't <laughs> seem very curious no. about Will Honus. No, so, I think it's a good one. Um, but it's, it's his list, just like the Super 6. I mean, you can... I, I think that's a good one. I, I do. Should we do a media aggregate of the Curious 10? <laughs> <Yeah>. Good. <laughs> just aggregate everything. We're going to be the... Yeah, we might as well. That's what journalism is now, anyways. <laughs> Browns, do you got a Curious 10 guy? I'm still thinking. If you've got one. I, d- I do have one. Wow. 
I thought I, that I spoke long enough about Will Honus. To yeah, get you, I, mean, I was trying to think if there's somebody that was like, oh, oh, that, you, you want a good answer? I'm, I'm going for a deep saying. cut. I yeah, I was over here going for a layup, but Bruns <laughs> wants to pass it up for the corner three. Let yep. me throw out uh, Braxton Clark as a okay. curious ten guy. He slipped on some ice today. I saw. Yeah. <laughs> he had a funny <laughs> tweet. About, he had a funny real. tweet about it. He did. He. he, he the black ice on campus gave him an L, he said. He said he had a, oh, wow. took a mean-ass L or something. It was the way he phrased it, which was great. Is it on Twitter? Yeah. yeah. It was a great tweet by Braxton Clark. If he brings it this offseason like he brought it in that tweet, <laughs> I'm, I'm, all, I'm all on the Braxton. I've been country. undefeated so far to the black ice in Nebraska, but today I took a mean-ass L. <laughs> Backman sore all morning. Yeah. Crying face emojis. Yeah, three of them. Yeah. I loved it. I think he's a curious 10 guy because uh, I think the corners, you kind of know who your favorite three are, you know, with Boodle, Lamar, and uh, Cam Taylor. I don't even put Cam Taylor in the, I mean, I, there is a curiosity, like, is he going to, could he be like a starter, unseat somebody? But I think they love Cam Taylor, so I'm not even that curious about him. Um, so that's so why. why I, is he on the list? No, he's not. Oh, okay. But I think Braxton Clark would fall on that because he's that guy who, by some, I don't think anybody here, but others, he gets kind of forgotten. But I think Travis Fisher kind of handpicked him, really likes him. You remember last year when Travis Fisher said the two deep came out and I think Braxton Clark was on it like opening week and people are like, what the heck? Like, did no one like saw it coming? And Travis Fisher's like, yeah, hey, he practiced well the last week. So I think he'll be a guy. I th- I think my cure my, quarter three my my top here's a pass from BC to Brunts. Yep, I'm uh, defender closing out. I'm actually going to kick a leg and try and draw the foul here too. Oh wow, uh, why ball move? Cam Cam Jurgens is he curious? Yeah, I mean I think you, it's a good one. You uh, that was a total Iowa kiss the side of the backboard yeah. angle three pointer to beat Rutgers right there. Yeah, they that position is curious to me. You know, first off, but. Whenever you you move a guy and you you start throwing around some of the names that people were comparing his ceiling to at that center spot, and Zeus, it, I think at one point, right? Yeah, I believe so. Between it, um, Remington and Zeus, the yeah. Greek god of football. And so I think, uh, you know, he, how he comes back from his injury, how much weight he's put on, how he learns the position, um, you know, the, the, there's a lot that he's got to learn before you, you get to that. That, that ceiling that they've kind of set that's pretty high. Um, but I don't, I, I would not say that there's probably a front runner at all in that center competition right now. I mean, you've got Will Farniok and Hunter Miller, who they think highly of as well, or were at least complimentary of last year. Uh, you've got Jurgens, who everybody um, very much likes and thinks is going to be very good. Uh, but, but is he, you know, far enough along? And, and, you know, the, the kind of subtext to that is you had Desmond Bland, the guy that you thought could go in there and kind of help bridge that a little bit, and, and you don't have uh, him coming in. So it, that that that's curious to me, and I, I think that, you know, Cam Jurgens just knowing a little bit about him and his athleticism, I, I think he does, you know, have a, a pretty high ceiling at that spot, but where is he at? That's what we'll that, – that's the curiosity. <laughs> I think we got four. We already got four named off, so. And the, the podcast listeners out there can guess the remaining six, or throw 
throw them at us. You got a, a specific date that you want the Curious 10 to drop? Maybe in the next day or so, you know? Oh, wow. Something for the wow. weekend. Wow. <laughs> That's a quick turnaround. Well, you're already halfway there almost. Yeah. yeah I didn't know. I mean, I Andre didn't know probably on the curious if BC 10. would yeah. continue to be curious. Hunt's a good one. Hunt's got to go on there. All right. Don't you think? Andre? No? Yeah. No? Yeah, he's yeah. not. He's not as big on that. No, his curiosity is not peaked. <laughs> no. Well, I think there's one wide receiver that you can take off, and the rest could all basically be their own curi- mm. curious ten. Even Cade Warner, to a point, would be, you know, not necessarily a Brunt's bank shot corner three. You don't think he's reliable? I'm curious what his role would be in 2019 if it's expanded upon what he did in 2018. If he has found a niche, if he's developed chemistry with Adrian Martinez, I mean, I think some of our discussions about wide receivers is based around the targets and everything, but it was very clear that Adrian Martinez had established strong chemistry with Stanley Morgan and with J.D. Spielman and would often look their their way, maybe sometimes to his own detriment if other guys were open. So I, I think that there's a lot that fascinates me about wide receivers and I'm sure I will mention it uh you know from this podcast until the season starts it's a group unlike any other on this roster right now do they get a grad transfer wide receiver do you think I think they will I I almost think they have to I really do and part of that is that I just don't I don't know if they have anyone on their roster besides JD Spielman at wide receiver that I think will catch forty-five passes for sure next year. Is a is a six foot four wide receiver? Is that like Nebraska's unicorn right now? Feels that way. Yeah. And I mean, for years we've talked about it, and they've brought people in, they haven't worked out, or they couldn't get the guy to commit, and they've had all kinds of stories, all the way down to Demoria Stringfellow. Um, Stringfellow. Yeah, that was a fun one. So I mean they. <laughs> They've managed to be all over the the spectrum with this thing, regardless of coaching staff. And we'll see if that changes here with Frost and Walters. And they certainly have a lot of offers out to wide receivers, which, again, I think is a a pretty big need in the 2020 class and really a need in the program right now. But I will have many weeks to discuss my opinions on wide receivers so we can move off of that. Anything else football-wise, or do you want to jump into – a three-in-one baseball team that isn't playing this afternoon, a basketball coach that had to put out a statement of apology that wasn't necessary because he didn't need to apologize for what was clearly a joke, a basketball team that got smashed by Penn State in a game that did not scroll well. That was not a good scroller. Or do you want to stick with football? I don't have anything recruiting-wise. I got nothing recruiting-wise. Do you, uh, We can do basketball. There's a lot that happened this week. Okay. Um, you guys want to talk Penn State? Was that uh, you guys always have strong opinions on things like this? So what what did you think of that game? <laughs> and why didn't they? Why weren't they able to get a Jack Stoll? Well, that was an insult, or not? No, it wasn't. It, just you guys are season ticket holders, so gotcha. you guys are, you come at it from a different angle. I feel like. Um, I thought I've been putting off the end of this story, and I felt like I gave it fair time, and I felt like I'm not here to talk about the end of if it's the end of the coaching era or not we'll get to that in the next couple weeks but as far as this season there was still that thought like going in to that game like okay if they can go get a a gritty 
win on the road that's ugly, but get a W. There will be excitement when they come back for Purdue. Like, there'll be a thought like, hey, if they could knock off Purdue at home, which you never know at PBA, this thing gets and really – Purdue deemed that's shooting 30% in their last three games yeah. right now. So you're I catching them at a good time. I still think that game will be close Saturday. I agree. No, um, I'm, I agree 100%. But they needed they needed that one Tuesday to kind of set it up. And after just the way it went down and just not being in the game at all. And part of it was they just look like a tired team to me. I don't know. I mean, they, they look like a team that's just nearing the E. Penn State hit every shot. Yeah. And it was just a perfect combination to just get run out of the gym. Yeah, I think you hit most of what I would say on it. It, it felt a little bit like Penn State was a buzzsaw on Tuesday night, certainly when a team that shoots in the 300s as it relates to three-point shooting goes 11-22 of 22 on you. you. You can't game plan against that. That's just – it happens. I mean, I don't think Nebraska's defense was porous so much as – Penn State took advantage of a lot of offensive rebounds, scrambles, and then had open looks in the corners and knocked them down. Nebraska, I thought this was a game that they should be able to win. Um, they clearly, like Brian said, didn't have it in the tank. And frankly, they're a bad road team. And we've known this for years as it relates to Tim Miles and Nebraska and everything else. Like they just, they don't travel well. And that's usually a sign of a program that isn't particularly good to begin with, but it is pretty damning how bad they play on the road at times and this was one of those quintessential you know never had a chance from the the moment it started situation there was even it was kind of comical in a way you get to halftime nebraska's down like 18 and they immediately come out in the second half and i think palmer hit a couple threes like it looks like there's a little bit of life to them and penn state responds with their own barrage of threes and it was basically just like the little uprising uh, against the the king was snuffed out pretty quickly from the uh, the Penn State Calvary, and that was that was that. So uh, for Nebraska, I mean, I I don't see any avenue that gets them to postseason play because I struggle to see them winning. You know, that they'd have to win three out of the next four, and two of those are on the road. I think they could win both of their home games. I think Iowa isn't that much better than even a depleted Nebraska, and I think an emotional senior day. That will be on the the ninth of March, and I think Saturday. Brian said it too. I mean, Purdue is a team that I is ripe to to lose. They almost lost to Indiana. They scored forty seven points in that game. However, I don't know what version of Nebraska shows up anymore. I just don't. And, and from night to night, it's impossible. If you're gambling on them, I don't know how you do it. It's uh, it's difficult because you just don't know what version you're going to get out of this team. Were you – did you guys see what Stephen Bardo said on, on BTN afterwards? I didn't. Uh, basic, I, don't, I didn't finish that game. I was, I was done with I, a couple minutes I didn't minutes see left. it live, but he talked a lot about, you know, this heart and all this other stuff, the seniors and, and Roby. And, I mean, it, it, as much as Nebraska has struggled this year, I mean, that, that was – I saw it a little bit when they went on the road against Iowa. That was a game where you felt like they kind of had to have that win. And they just didn't look like they wanted to be there at times. I, I thought they played okay in that game in, in certain stretches, but I, I was just really shocked at how you've got this veteran team 
you're obviously very thin depth wise. That's, you know, been that way the whole season. I'm sure guys are tired. He's really riding those starters, but I was really surprised at just how, just the malaise that you kind of had on on the floor. I mean, from the get-go, I mean, it it wasn't even like halfway through the first half or or something. It, It was, those guys just did not seem like they wanted to be there. Yeah, I agree. Watson I, got benched right away in the second half, too. I think they're when I say they're they look tired, I actually would have the opinion they look like a just a mentally beaten Fatigued. down team. Not I know some people say, "Hey, they never sub." And I get I get that viewpoint. I actually kind of push back on that a little bit from the physical end because I know it's a different level when you're playing, you know, Power 5 conference basketball. But these kids grew up playing hoops three running on the hardwood outside on the playground three hours a day these kids don't get as tired playing hoops as people sometimes make it out to be uh but i think they're i think it's in the head now like if they if a team jumps out on them by even a few points or you know puts together a 7-0 run i just think they're pretty mentally fragile and they're we're still kind of judging them like they're that team at the beginning of the year too and how they play. And in some ways I struggle with the idea is it lack of intensity or are we just watching a team, especially on the road, that's kind of mediocre or lower than that uh, without Copeland. I mean, that's what it looks like to me kind of. We're, yeah. it's, it's just a, they're just a mediocre to slight to maybe below that team now without, without Copeland, I think. Yeah, and I mean, they've always had a little elevator in them, too, where they tended to play up to who they were playing and down to who they were playing. And you throw in the loss of what was your most consistent player, just get an entirely different-looking team. I got, uh, an elevator, part of that elevator is Watson. Like, you have these guys oh, yeah. who, on a given night, they can come out and look pretty good. Like, we've seen in Glenn Watson's career, him have a game where you're like, man, that looks really good. Like, you could go against Lonzo Ball the one year and was, you know, showing him up for most of that game. And then it's just there hasn't been consistency there. So you never know what part of him you're going to get. And it it goes that way with a few guys, I think. Yeah. it It's interesting because I just looked the other day and I think we're headed to the point where Nebraska is going to have their first uh, first round draft pick in however long. And it's going to be in a year in which they miss the NIT, the NCAA. And everything else. Roby keeps moving up draft boards. He's actually played pretty well as of late. He's become very efficient uh, with his shooting. He the other night against Northwestern was as well as he'd played in the in the entire year. I mean, he's a guy that when he's on, you see every single piece of it that makes it look like this guy can play at the next level. And then there's just those frustrating nights where you don't know if he understands that he's one of the the guys on the floor that has to do more in order for Nebraska to even stay in a game. You think the most of the NIT? Like they even if they lose the last four I mean, you don't know what how Nebraska's gonna play it out, but if they lose the last four, I still think they'd probably be pretty competitive for an NIT spot, which is crazy to think about. You gotta be over five hundred, right? Is that still a thing? Oh yeah. Okay. I think so. The the NIT doesn't have that many spots left because of the guarantee for conference champions that don't make the NCAA tournament. So there's a finite amount of at-large bids. Because any T rankings, though, they'd probably be still. 
Yeah, they'll they'll finish in the top sixty, right? Yeah, which would it'd give them a shot. I don't. I mean, I, I, like I said, I don't know how you play that out. Right, but yeah. If you're Nebraska, does your administration want you to go play an NI or an NIT game that's at what, this point? That's what I mean. So, um, yeah, I'm. That's a good question, and that was one of the things with this Penn State game. Like, even if you're not getting to the NCAA tournament, you find a way to get to the postseason. You at least put a slightly better capper on a very disappointing year. Obviously, no one's going to be hanging their hat on that, right? But Nebraska wants to hang banners; they can hang another NIT one. <laughs> <laughs> no. Penn State, they, they won the NIT last year, didn't they? Is it last year they won it? They're I, – I don't know if Pat Chambers is coming back either. I mean, they're not a good team. No. They're uh, – those games, you want an indictment a little bit on the Tim yeah, Miles last, era. Last year, they beat, uh, beat Utah. Yeah. How often I sat and have watched Nebraska and Penn State play in some of the ugliest basketball games in one of the, just the least attended arenas in the country. There was I, a- I would prefer if they would get in the schedule where they don't they play them once and it's at home, so you just don't have that you know random Tuesday experience when they're or they stuck it on a Friday night last year that was actually okay. You know, people had other things going on. They weren't watching this rock fight that went to double overtime. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah. I mean, do, do we move to baseball? Do we need to talk about the non-story? Probably don't need to talk about the non-story, do we? Sure. You can talk about the non-story. Non-story it up. <laughs> I literally said we probably don't need to talk about the long, the, the non-story. You said, yeah, you should talk about the, about I thought the non-story. You said, I thought you said we probably do. <laughs> no. Okay, then we can avoid the non-story. Oh, we got to talk about it now. Well, for context, the non-story is Tim Miles apologized for (laughs) comments that he made during a podcast with Jeff Goodman. Uh, The table of people sitting here in my kitchen recording this podcast agrees that he didn't need to apologize for those comments. Uh, Do we need to add anything more to that? I think that sums up the non-story. It's a good summation. My only thought, and it's not... (laughs) No, I got one thought. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. No, I don't want to take it away yeah, from you. It's, give it to us. Brunts is over here killing me because I <laughs> I misunderstood what he said. BC's. No, it's not. It's not specifically about it. It's just about I can't stand when someone's actually candid, even though that was clearly a joke. But even so, like if they're just candid, and then immediately we grill them for being candid like i mean so often it's like why does nobody say anything you know and then tim miles has this kind of interesting chat um with a guy where he opens up which few guys would do about what it's like to kind of be on the hot seat which they flat out addressed and i just thought it was interesting and so it's disappointing that anybody would take anything less than that from it that it was a pretty interesting listen that's all i gotta say on the other things. Got a basketball related question for you. You guys ever blow out a pair of shoes like Zion Williamson did last night? Never have. Those shoes looked like the shoes that I would have passed over when I was a kid because they weren't cool enough to wear to play basketball in. I was kind of amazed when I saw the highlight, like that's what he was wearing. As I as I tweeted, they look like the kind of shoes that a nice uh middle-aged dad would wear while grilling on a Saturday afternoon in the summer. Wearing some jorts with him. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the, He's got a cell phone, yeah. like, clipped to his belt, 
and Maybe a you know he is uh, he's ready to enjoy his Hawaiian shirt is tucked into the jorts. I mean, he that guy's ready to go. Those, those shoes I was told retail for one hundred and ten dollars. Those are awful, awful shoes. I, I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Uh, did, did, did you like the? Clo- I didn't see him close. Okay, well, I'll pull up a picture of him. Okay, they were they were pretty pretty average. It, it'll be it'll be fascinating when he turns pro. BC, it's like when you go to the gym at two thirty in the morning. If you went at a normal time, yeah. you might see like the fifty five year old powerlifting dad in his all white New Balances. That's what they look like. I had an old guy. There was a one of the times I went really late. There was me and one old guy. I went. It was like one this. in the morning. I love this. And he was like, probably late sixties. This guy, but he was fit. Like, put. I mean, I was embarrassed to like be next to him working out, and he wanted me to help um, spot for him. And I've never really been a spotter. I've always avoided that, like the plague. Like you go to the other, if you see some, if I see somebody on that thing, I like move. I'm like, they do not want me like being that guy, um, you know, that their life depends on. And so anyways, like I need a spot and he talked me into doing it. And I was really like, we had like this five minute conversation at like one thirty in the morning at any time fitness where I was like. I don't think I'm your guy for this, you know, and all this stuff. Because he's lifting a lot of weight. Yeah. These are the shoes. Yeah, those are like... Uh, like the dad special. Those are like my dad's. Yeah. Yeah. And the number one NBA prospect in America was wearing them last night when his... Just blew out. His uh, shoe. I did spot for the guy and uh, got it up, but I like had to summon all my strength. Did you pump? Did you like pump him up to, for the lift, though? <laughs> no, I was I was like so dialed in, like yeah. with, like I, I gotta I gotta do this, you know. You're like over there barking at this stranger, trying <laughs> yeah. to get him pumped up. I love that this was at what five thirty in the morning. No, it was like one in the morning. <laughs> How many people were in the place? Me and him. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we joke about this, but there's elements of truth to your like schedule of working out. No, this is on. This is it was the time of day it was. I, I you know that I go in there late. So like, what time are you going to sleep after that? Because then you're all like juiced up from your workout you can't just calm not, down and go right I'm not, to sleep. you're giving my workout a little too much credit <laughs> i'm not that juiced up by the time i drive that i drive like 10 minutes so they go you know do it so i'm i'm ready for bed when i go back <laughs> okay <laughs> the, the 10 minute reflection uh upon his way home like brings the workout those all know? those all state tennis days are far behind me so uh. I'm amazed at a power lifter like you that was in the Omaha I was lifting on the club. Power lifting team at well, yeah, but you, <laughs> you just you weren't comfortable spotting. Yeah, that was a it was a because normally you're the one throwing the weight around, so you always had a spotter. You never had to be. I think you you're hitting on some truths. There's nobody to back it up, but that that's exactly what happened. Well, that's good to know. Well, let's uh, let's move away from. Or did you have more thoughts on Zion Williamson shoes? No, I just I just wondered if you guys did. Ever you had watch it. the game last night? Uh, I watched about ten minutes of it. I, that's about all of the Duke Carolina that I can stomach. What about you? Didn't see it. Just saw the hot takes coming in about if a guy should be able to go to the NBA right away or not. I I asked this question on. <laughs> they were sizzling on Twitter. Which of these? And I I feel like ESPN is really pushed all three of these throughout much of my life and real specifically in the 90s when they were the voice of sports which of these 
rivalries do you find least compelling or most annoying? However you want to go with it. The Red Sox, Yankees, Duke, North Carolina, Ohio State, Michigan. I I think of those. I actually, t- I think I texted you this last night that Duke Carolina was getting very much like Yankees Red Sox for me, where it's like I grew up mainly in the Midwest, don't really have any context for it. It feels very manufactured. I mean, the Duke Carolina feels a little bit more manufactured to me, just on a national level, because you have so many people who are like didn't go to Duke, aren't from North Carolina, are very like pro Duke, and it's like eh. isn't that super weird? It like, is. It- it fascinated me in high school, like that there was, and I have friends to this day that identify more than anything else as a Duke basketball fan or a North Carolina basketball, and I don't, I don't fully understand it. That to me is like being a Yankees fan, in a lot of ways, like growing up in the Midwest, like choosing the brand, just you know, front running. So, so you would say that was the most annoying, or would the Yankees Red Sox be most annoying? Uh. I, th- I think Yankees-Red Sox is more annoying just because it's more frequent that they play. I think I think the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry is pretty darn legit. Like, from Even a, though Michigan hasn't shown up for just from a years. Just from a pure hatred standpoint, I think it's probably more than those other two. That's fair. Well, I think what separates Michigan-Ohio State is the stakes of it. Like, it's this, this is one game. This will mean everything for the year. With Duke Carolina, I always feel like, okay, you're going to split probably, right? I mean, they almost always And then you do. might meet in the NCC yeah, tournament. Yeah, they play three times. I enjoy watching it sometimes, and occasionally Nebraska has played a game like at six, and Duke North Carolina are playing at eight, and it's always like a real mind trip to watch like a, an average Nebraska <laughs> team play, and then suddenly you're watching. I like that you found the word average to go there. <laughs> yeah, you're watching. Then you're watching Duke Carolina, and it's like at warp speed compared to what you were just watching. Um, I'd say Yankees Red Sox is probably the most annoying to because me. of the volume of it. Yeah, although I do. If Yankees Red Sox meet in the postseason, I can get in. Sure, I'm a hundred percent with you. It's the Sunday night games throughout the year that I will happen upon, or will just be blasted all over the internet of like how giant and important this May 3rd game is. Yeah. And it's, you know, Masahiro Tanaka versus Nathan Avaldi and I want nothing to do with that five and a half hour yeah. slog fest umpired by Joe West. Right. Just get me out, I'm out. And I, I think that that rivalry too, I I cannot summon any kind of empathy for either team. Like I would like if they would both lose, I would be completely fine with it. The reason these stick out to me more than other rivalries do is that in all situations, I have no opinion on either team in the sense that like at this point in my life, I have no opinion on either team in the sense that I don't care. You know, when it was Yankees, Red Sox in 2003 and 2004, I wanted the Red Sox to win at that time. Since then, I don't care. Uh, Ohio State this year, I kind of wanted them to win because I had quite a bit of money on them and, you know, the money line. You had personal interest. Yes. Duke, North Carolina, I've never cared. I rooted for Maryland if forced to pick an ACC team, which you were on the hard scrabble streets of Columbus. (laughs) You were out there sporting that Terps shirt. Me and Juan Dixon, Lonnie Baxter, and Steve Blake. I don't know. If you had to pick a favorite, I don't know if I even have a rivalry where I'm like, I don't. I just lose my mind. Like, oh, I gotta watch this. 
I, I was trying to think of this, too, in the context of the NFL. The only one that's kind of close is I've always enjoyed watching Steelers-Ravens because it felt like there was a lot of actual hatred there uh, between those teams. But in the NFL, I mean, it's, there's really not, you know, one. I've enjoyed, or I enjoyed in recent years in the playoffs when it was Broncos and uh, Patriots, largely because of Bronx yeah. more than anything else. Um, I mean, our own team has a, has a rival that doesn't even necessarily consider the Vikings to be their equal rivals. It's, it's tough for us sometimes. Yeah. So, I I went to a Giants Dodgers game. Uh, I heard that's good. And that's like, there's palpable hate among like fans. I palpable think. hate. Yeah. That could be a podcast if yeah. only Jack Mitchell listened to our show. Yeah. He doesn't listen anymore. No, he stopped. He's gotten into this pop music podcast he's gonna listen to every episode before he listens to anything new i can't help him you know he's obsession filled man so but that that game seemed like in may i mean i'm I'm sure that's probably the way it is for yankees red Sox, but Mm -hmm. that that was the one that i've seen in person i'm like huh this is this is a little bit it burns a little hotter than i thought it did that's all i got speaking of burning hot (laughs) Nebraska, Oregon State this week. You don't have a segue voice. Did you know that? <laughs> Speaking of burning hot. I used a totally different segue voice on Brunts on Tuesday. I didn't even know a segue was coming. I didn't. It was a, it was a change-up, that's for sure. Speaking of change-ups, um, Nebraska baseball, 3-1. and one. UC Riverside over the last weekend. I was really hoping you'd work that into the UC Riverside guy who tops out at 83 miles per hour. <laughs> UC Riverside was kind of duct tape and cardboarding that that pitching staff together. I don't I don't know that we learned a ton about Nebraska. I I think that they are going to be much more competitive than they were last year. Some some good performances out of guys. Connor Curry from right here in Lincoln pitched really well coming back from Tommy John surgery. Um, trying to think who else. Nate Fisher threw through five scoreless. So there there was. Some things to take out of that. Plus, you get you know get the offense scoring ten runs a game. Who's the JUCO guy from Southeast? Aaron Polinski. Yeah, he had a nice weekend. He did. Which it's baseball is always funny to me where you get these guys that kind of get added to the roster late. Like Polinski was added to the roster like in the summer, and you know he's all of a sudden your starting right fielder and your cleanup hitter, and is going to I think do pretty well there. So. Is there any chance he could be Nebraska's version of that North Dakota masher from Iowa? Uh, no. The Smith was his last name. Is that I right? can't remember the guy that bigger looked, dude. He looked like a beer league softball player. He looked like Clue Hayward from yeah. Major League. When he sneezes, it looks like a party favor. Um, yeah, no, that I, I think he's going to be good. They they got a lot of young guys in Oregon State this weekend. Uh, doubleheader tomorrow. Whoo! Doubleheader baseball. So they're going to play all four. Try to. Try to. And uh, they got two first-team All-American pitchers right out of the shoot for Oregon State. They lost a little bit at the plate. But uh, Oregon State steamrolled Michigan last weekend, who's pretty good. Excuse me. Steamrolled Minnesota, who's a pretty good Big Ten team. Probably going to win the whole thing. So it doesn't bode well for Nebraska. But I, I predict a 1-3 and three finish for the Huskers out of the weekend. Which RPI wise will actually be just fine for them. So yeah, I think if they somehow went two and two, it'd be you take that the more improbable weekend stretch they've had in baseball in a long time. Yeah, yeah, one and three. 
if they were four and four after the first two weekends for a team that just came out of the Arctic, out of the Arctic with a lot of young guys and a yeah. lot of JUCO guys, you you'd take that, I think. Mm-hmm. I think they were pretty pleased with three and one, honestly, because they they hadn't gotten outside until they got to California. And did, they hit ten doubles. Yeah, that's pretty good. They they really one through nine were pretty good uh, in that series and. I think that's a positive because I mean last year it was it was rough at times last year waiting for Wilkening or Schreiber to drive runs in. So here's I'm just looking at their their stats their hitting stats right now. Does it jump out to you if I were to tell you they were nine of twelve for stolen base and stolen base? Yeah, that was that was surprising because that's a lot of running for a team that didn't run much last year. They had 34 stolen bases all of last year, I believe. So they feel like they can move better on the base paths. Yeah, so. That's another positive. I mean, it's the team's going to take a while, I think, to kind of figure out what they've got. But I think they're they're like I, I think I said this last week, but I think they're quietly confident about what they can be by the time you know April May rolls around. Especially well, they're going to get tested. They got a they got a good schedule at home. It's a good year to get to some Nebraska baseball. Baylor at home in March. Um, Random Air Force games. Some Air Force. No Northern Colorado. You've got Arizona State coming up here yep. in May, who's apparently just hitting the crap out of the ball early on. So, uh, coached by former Indiana coach Tracy Smith, for those who care about such things. Plus Michigan at home, I believe. So, get out to the ball yard, and if you go out there in the next two weeks, they wouldn't wouldn't hate it if you brought a snow shovel. Yeah, no kidding. That, that – uh, Home opener on uh, the 5th is looking like it's a little dicey already. The 5th. Try the Baylor series a couple days later. might be dicey, too. Yep. You guys been scooping? A little scooping. Back's a little sore. I'm tired of it. At what point do you guys just give up and get the blower? Uh, at this point, you feel like this no, I mean, like, winter... not this year, but, like, at what point in your life are you going to say, like, look, it's time. My driveway isn't big enough to justify it at this point. Um, so I'm still probably a ways away. I feel like there's a lot of responsibility with the blower. If you get one of those, you're telling everybody, all of your neighbors, at least within three houses of you, I'm up for at least doing your sidewalk. <laughs> yeah, I'll get the sidewalk. And if it's been, and if it gets to a certain hour in the day, okay, I'll come and do your driveway too. Yeah, a guy yesterday morning at like 7 a.m. I was out scooping and the guy just comes right by and just does the whole sidewalk. And then he sees I got this one little patch left on the driveway, and he just gives me one of those. Like, you ever just want to feel like just a wave? Like, just get out of the way. Take your dumb shovel. Get out of the way. Let the adults handle this. It's like the NBA. And so I'm I'm just standing there. I felt like a kid just standing there holding the shovel, watching, you know, like some version of my dad just come, which we didn't have a snowblower when I was a kid either. He had a couple sons. We were out there every time scooping. That's what we had to do. I feel like a lot of people own blowers, though. Like, they want they want that on their shoulders. I mean, they're the type of people, like, give me that. Yeah. They want to put that thing I don't use. really want it. Yeah, I don't either. It's, <laughs> it's kind of, it kind of plays into the whole, like, weird, like, neighborhood dichotomy, too, of, like, oh, you've got that in your house, and I've got a snowblower. Like, mm-hmm. it's like a one-upper thing. You can look bad, though, if you, and I had a day, one of these, days a couple weeks ago where i didn't do anything on my driveway for like a day and i even drove out a few times oh wow which is like the biggest cardinal sin of home yeah. ownership when you leave tracks 
on your driveway that you can't shovel off then? You, I mean, the biggest OCD thing I have in the world. That's if right. I drive home and it has snowed, I will park outside of my house, walk in, get the shovel, and scoop everything out before I'm taking the car up that driveway. I absolutely hate the tracks. I get kind of mad because the, the mail truck will use my driveway a little bit as it's like making a U over here to flip to the other side of the mm-hmm. street. Leaving tracks at the bottom of my driveway. I didn't sign up for that. I understand that. it. I mean, you're being judged. You're being judged with what you do yeah. with that driveway. And also, I think you get judged if you go too early. Like if you're premature and you're wanting to get no, out I'm there. I'm one of those guys that's out too early. Well, it's coming down. I think some people are like, look at that schmuck. You they know, probably like, think that. I had no idea you were so OCD about snow. You Are you like throwing salt out there if there's even nothing on no, it? No, I didn't to, really ever it. mess with salt that much. But I have a drain spout that now runs into my driveway that creates just these disastrous ice scenarios where i was taking recycling out and almost fell nine times and i was very unhappy with that so went and got some salt yeah i very very weird about snow in my driveway snow and driving i just i shouldn't live here like i i'm not fit for this environment for some reason there you go I enjoyed that off-the-cuff banter with you fellows. Yeah. <laughs> you know what environment you might be fit for if you're a Nebraska sports fan? What's that, Mike? Husker 24-7. Oh. You can get all of your Nebraska news. You can learn about the curiosities of the spring. Some seniors <laughs> and juniors coming. that uh, you know might be looking to change, change the narrative on their careers. You learn about Tim Miles apologizing for things that he doesn't have to apologize for. We'll see if he does it again tomorrow. Maybe he'll apologize for Tucker Carlson. You never know. And there's all sorts of things out there that you can find on Oscar 24-7. But the podcast will be back with you next week.